Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome back in on a Monday, start of a new week. It's the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you, as always, for making the podcast a part of your day and a ton to get to uh, with bowl selection and a new report from Football Scoop about the Auburn search and Lane Kiffin's name and stuff like that. All that to get into this morning. But first, I want to remind you, number one, to follow me on Twitter, at Michael Borky on Twitter. I know I'm very clever. It took me a long time to come up with that one. Uh, but also subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening, hit that subscribe button on iTunes, hit the like button on Spotify, and you won't have to worry about waiting to find out uh, for it to get posted on social media or whatever for you to find it. Uh, just subscribe and it'll show up to your phone every single time I record a new episode. It is great to be with you, like I said. It's also uh, brought to you my LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue, right there in Oxford. Uh, the weather this week going to be cold, going to be cold, so stop by and just have them do the cooking for you. Get one of their daily lunch specials, or if you want to brave the weather and get behind the grill, LB's is the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. Stop by and see Greg, tell him we sent you, and uh, yeah, let's get started. So... um I'm not going to spend too much time on the LSU game. I mean, it's days uh, ago now. A lot has happened between then and now. Uh, if you want to hear my like immediate reaction post-game thoughts, uh, the Periscope uh, is available uh, on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter page if you want to watch that. I'll give you a quick summary, though, of just my general thoughts. Um, uh, number one, it was another one of those games for Matt Corral, very similar to the Arkansas game. But also, um, it's kind of two thoughts in one, or, or two con- contradicting thoughts in one. Because his turnovers is kind of why you lost the game, but also, considering how poorly the offensive line played, how they were getting smoked all night long, he was under duress the entire game in a monsoon on top of that. Him battling the way he did and running the football the way he did is kind of the only reason you are in the game. So it's like he took away but also gave. And his post-game comments, uh, I thought, showed extreme maturity. And there was a very small percentage of Ole Miss fans. Very small, small percentage of very vocal Ole Miss fans about their quarterback. Um, And I, I got them in my mentions on Saturday night about how Corral's always sucked and, you know, the same stuff that you got after the Arkansas game. And some people even saying that he shouldn't be the quarterback there. And I can't wrap my mind around that. I know it's a very small percentage uh, of Ole Miss fans that actually believe that um, his backup should be the guy playing. And I think that's just absurd. I can't wrap my mind around it. I spend too much time on these people thinking that because, yes, He has had two games where he intercepted you out of the game. And in nine games this season, he's had two horrible games. This offseason, hopefully it'll be relatively normal. They can actually go through a spring practice and stuff. He's got to work on consistency. That's a huge thing for Matt Corral is not letting one mistake become five. It's a big thing he's got to correct. 
but in nine games in his first season in this system after trying to figure out how to run last year's absolute garbage of an offense that didn't fit him at all. Um, His first year in this system, he played nine games against SEC-only opponents. He had two horrible games, games that just can't happen moving forward. Horrible games. One average game, even though his play kept you winning against Auburn. And then in six games, played at an elite level. Not good, not great elite level. He lit up, absolutely lit up the two teams that played in the SEC championship on Saturday night. He faced Mississippi State's front seven, which I think, or I guess you can call it a front six because they run a 3-3-5, which is one of the best in the SEC. You can make an argument that it's the best in the SEC. State's problems are all in the back end of the defense. That's a really good defensive front. They got pressure on him in the Egg Bowl and he threw for 385 and didn't make a mistake throw. He broke records against Vanderbilt and was dominant against South Carolina. This kid played in the, at an elite level for six of his nine games, which, I mean, it needs to be better, but he showed you that level of capability. And if you look at all the other quarterbacks around him and every metric, they're all gone after this season, all of them. He will be in the short list of Heismanons that, that get released this summer. He showed you he has elite level ability and another year in the system with Kiffin and Lebby and working on things this offseason he's poised to have an all-time great year at Ole Miss I mean one because the offense kind of leads you into that the stats are going to be great because the offense that they run but he's got that kind of capability he had a terrible game in Baton Rouge I'm not going to try to sugarcoat that that kind of stuff can't happen next season if they want to reach their next year's goal, which I assume will be another step in the right direction, win eight, nine games, which is the logical forward step when you're talking about program building and getting yourself to national relevance. He can't have games like that next season. But he had every reason to leave Ole Miss and didn't do that after the the stuff he dealt with a year ago. Was playing an awful game in a monsoon. Things weren't going right, and he just fought and fought and fought on Saturday night and just couldn't get it done late. And then after the game, he handled himself extremely well. If you haven't seen his postgame comments, I would seek them out. I'm not going to play them here because, again, I want to move on to bowl stuff and Kiffin and Auburn and things like that. But his postgame comments, even though his offensive line in front of him sucked, And it's hard to tell what they were going to be like without Elijah and Kenny because, I mean, it it was hard to get the football off, but uh, he didn't get quality play from his receivers. And then on top of that, Ely goes down in the second half, Braylon Sanders goes down, and suddenly they're having to start playing guys that you've never heard of before. So his offensive line is a mess, getting lit up. Receivers can't get separation. And then his best two targets both get hurt in the game. And he made zero excuses and completely owned it. Handled it with maturity. He's growing as a player. He's growing as a quarterback. Go watch his postgame comments. And if you're one of those people that thinks he shouldn't play, which again, very small amount of you, but if you're one of those people, go, one, go look at the box scores from every game this season and who the opponents are, number one. And two, go listen to him after that game. And you tell me, that you don't want that kid as your quarterback. 
And the only way that you can think that at this point is if there's some kind of internal bias or you're Matt Stinchcomb, who just kept calling for Plumlee. There's a reason he's not playing anymore. But the, just every announcer just has to, every time Corral would make a mistake, any mistake, it's they would put the camera on Plumlee. And why is he not playing? Because Plumlee couldn't do to Alabama and Florida and Mississippi State and South Carolina and Vanderbilt and who else? Uh, Kentucky can't play the way Matt Corral did this year. He's got elite level capabilities. He's got to work on consistency. Now he gets a real offseason and a second year in a system for the first time since high school. If I were you, and I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but if I were you, I would be thrilled about the status of your quarterback, his mindset, and going into 2021, how good he can be, even without Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboa. That kid's got elite-level qualities. Just got to get more consistent. And I promise you he's going to work on that. He's got the right mindset on this. But on the other side of the ball, I mean, that's a bigger story. Uh, the defense is a mess. They, they have um, almost no talent on that side of the ball. Uh, their defensive line, especially on the interior, is horrible. Um, they don't have good enough athletes across the board at linebacker or in the secondary. I still wonder what's going on, though, because they do things that um, don't require talent to be good at, and they do those things poorly. For example, when Butte gets open on a fourth down, literally nobody covered him. There was so much confusion, nobody covered LSU's best player. 14 receptions for over 300 yards, most of which were when he was uncovered. Um, I, I think that is a schematic or coaching thing also. It's hard to scheme up a defense that's lacking in talent the way they are. It's almost impossible. But sometimes they do things that don't require talent to be good at, and they're bad at those things. So 2021's a big year for that defense now that they get a full offseason. The recruiting class coming in, most of those guys are going to have to play, or at least you think they will, especially the defensive linemen. They're going to have to play. They're going to have to show up ready. Uh, 2021's a big year. Uh, an important year. But when you go back and look at, I mean, starting in the, what, 2016 or 17 recruiting class, well, I, I think it's 16. I looked last night. I don't remember. But, I mean, the number of impact SEC quality players that have been recruited to Ole Miss the last few years, Freeze's last class and then Matt Luke's classes, there's just no talent there. None. I mean, they're, they're, the quality defensive talent does not exist there. So it's hard to scheme that up. But they can get better at some little things, and they're bad at them right now. So there's your, your quick summary from the LSU game. Um, that's about all I got for you. So let's turn the page now. Uh, this morning, I know a lot of people are, are focused and or um, worried about Lane Kiffin potentially going to Auburn. I talked to you guys about this uh, a couple weeks ago, I think, just to get used to his name. Uh, being brought up in every opening moving forward. For however long he's the coach at Ole Miss, whether it's two years or 20, every single offseason his name will be brought up because, number one, for the content people, he gets clicks. The Athletic put his name first so many times when they would share coaching search articles because Lane Kiffin gets clicks. Number two, he's a good football coach. 
And what he's doing at Ole Miss, you cannot ignore. With the branding and the interest and everything in the offense, it's hard to ignore. So people are going to want to hire him. So just get used to that. That was what I said a few weeks ago. There are some people that cover Auburn that have constantly brought up his name in this search. Um, One even went so far to say that there was uh, interest, mutual interest, that Kiffin really wanted the job. Uh, Maybe he did. Uh, Maybe he did. Uh, Like I told you last week, if Auburn were to call me, I would at least answer the phone. But it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. So Football Scoop has a new report uh, out this morning. Uh, They also reference Philip Marshall from Auburn Undercover, uh, saying that Billy Napier uh, has emerged as the frontrunner for the Auburn job, and apparently uh, his interview with Auburn went very, very well. Bill Clark has apparently also interviewed for the job, which is interesting. Um, There's other candidates, Steve Sarkeesian being one of them, and that's really all uh, that they have listed. It doesn't sound like Lane Kiffin is an actual candidate for that job. And, you know, maybe things change. Um, maybe he's interviewed as well. I don't know. But Kiffin did go on SEC Now last night, and I'm well aware that football coaches are liars. Um, but he did have some comments about how we're just getting started here and stuff like that. So uh, that ship maybe uh, has sailed. Um, and that's never really... Um, It's never really made sense anyway. I mean, I know... Like, here's the thing, guys. Um, Lane Kiffin's whole brand is not giving a damn. So, if that's going to be your coach, you've got to be aware that he's... I mean, if that's his brand, that's who he is. Maybe he did want the Auburn job. Because I think Auburn is a better job than Ole Miss. I don't think he's long... For Ole Miss. I really don't. And that's okay. I've told you this before. That's okay. I don't think he's long for the school. I think there are going to be bigger college football jobs that come open in the near future that um, he will get. And you shouldn't blame him for that. Uh, he's a guy that, I mean, hasn't really showed much loyalty, and that's okay. You don't need him to. Not many football coaches are really truly loyal to the place where they are. But that's kind of his brand. He doesn't give a damn, so don't expect him to really give a damn about you. Ole Miss is a job to him. Ole Miss is not home. It's not something that he's going to be attached to. It's a place that is giving him and will give him a bigger salary, a very nice salary. I'm sure whenever he leaves, whether it's two years or 20, there will be a soft spot in his heart for Ole Miss because they're the ones that brought him back into big-time college football coaching uh, when a lot of programs maybe didn't while he was at FAU. But at the end of the day, it is just a job. And that's okay. That shouldn't bother you at all. But Auburn this year didn't make much sense to me. Because while I do believe it is a better job, um, one, you would kind of have to start over again. I think Ole Miss is in a better position to win next season than Auburn is. He's got a better quarterback at Ole Miss. He's got... Uh, an opportunity to win eight, nine games next year. And if he does that, he's vaulted into the front of the line at a lot of major jobs. Um, Two, Auburn is similar to Ole Miss. There's a hell of a lot more money. Uh, They have had their last four coaches. It's a crazy stat to me. So everybody talks about, why would you go to Auburn when you're in the same state as Alabama? Auburn's last four coaches have either gone undefeated, played for a national championship, or won 
a national championship. Their last four coaches have done that. You can win there. But when you're trying to reshape your image and stuff like that, leaving one SEC West school for another after one year, I think would do some serious damage to that attempt to kind of rebrand yourself. And then the recruiting aspect, I mean, you're still going to sign players. He's a dynamic recruiter, and he would hire a staff that is too. But that would be used against you like crazy. And I don't think Auburn's the final destination for somebody like that anyway. You know, maybe he did want the job. If I were him, I would have listened when they called. But leaving for there after one year wouldn't have made sense. If Texas came open, hell yeah. I mean, that that would make sense. Miami, same thing. Especially for a guy like him. Um, Southern Cal, even though that ship's probably sailed. Uh, Ohio State, Alabama, uh, those kind of jobs, uh, sure. This one didn't make much sense to me, and uh, barring something surprising, um, it's not going to happen. And I know a lot of people have been interested in that. Um, I would be surprised, honestly. I would be surprised if if that happened. Um, It just wouldn't make much sense, but like I keep telling you, um, don't expect him to be loyal to Ole Miss. It's a job. It's just a job. Um, but what do you have to do? So now what for Ole Miss in the immediate and long-term future? When it comes to Lane Kiffin and his length of stay there and then the next guy, whenever that may be, you know what's next there? And uh, like I've said to you before, I do expect... Um, I mean, as early as today, uh, but sometime soon, uh, them to give him a contract extension uh, that comes with a salary bump, probably a pretty significant one, an alteration in the buyout, I'm sure, or at least uh, Keith Carter's going to try to do something like that, Uh, an increase in assistant salary pool, and stuff like that. But also, I mean, like I've told you a thousand times, uh, they are preparing a facilities uh, upgrade project. Um, So that is on the horizon as well. But it's time for Ole Miss now to get serious about competing nationally. I don't think, and this is okay, and I think all of you would agree with this, I don't think Ole Miss would ever be Alabama, could ever become that program. People often like to use Clemson as a comparable thing to Ole Miss because Clemson really wasn't anything before Dabo Sweeney got it rolling. And don't forget, they almost fired that guy. Going into, I think, the 2010 season, he was on the hot seat. And if they didn't win 10 games when they did, uh, he was probably gone. But I think Clemson was still an opportunity, even inside of a state that also featured an SEC program. Clemson was a place that was primed for something like this. There was just a little bit more money and resources and things like that. But that's a pretty good model. Clemson decided when Dabo Sweeney started winning, we're going to get serious about football. We're going to get serious about winning games and competing nationally. And they have upgraded their stadium, and it looks beautiful. I mean, they've really done a nice job making Death Valley, their version, look really good, nice, and new. You've had a total fan buy-in. I mean, every time I visit the state... I see more and more just Clemson everywhere. Just the people are just wearing gear. It's constant. It's everywhere. You feel 
their presence within the state of South Carolina now. And before it kind of felt balanced. Now you just see orange everywhere. So the fans have completely bought in. They're donating more than they ever have. The facility upgrades actually make sense. And you can thank Ross Bjork for, I mean, everything that was done to Vaught Hemingway in the last few years was short-sighted and it looks like crap. I mean, the bold in south end zone, I guess it's the north end zone, right, where the students are? Um, I think looks terrible. It looks cheap. Uh, whatever the hell those black overhangs are don't make any sense at all. It, it, that looks cheap. The um, eliminating of that breezeway at the top of the opposite end zone for those clubs that look short-sighted and ugly. It just everything they did was short-sighted and bad. Um, Clemson's done the opposite. Everything has made sense. It's got synergy. There's total fan buy-in. And so it's time for Ole Miss to start getting serious like that. Luckily for you, I do think you have an athletic director that has that kind of mindset. One, he's a guy that um, I don't think would go anywhere. Unlike Ross Bjork, um, who was just trying to get any bigger job that he could during the NCAA investigation and beyond. Everything was short-sighted without a long-term plan because he didn't want to be there long-term. Keith Carter, I, I believe, wants to be at Ole Miss for a long time. And I think that he's got a really good vision based on how we've talked to him uh, and what he said on our radio show. Um, he's got a long-term vision for Ole Miss that actually makes sense this time. And he strikes me as somebody that wants to be serious about competing nationally, but it starts with massive facility upgrades. That's what they need the most. The stadium is secondary to me. You have to upgrade the locker rooms. You have to upgrade the Manning Center. Um, amenities and more and more and more amenities because the, the players only spend seven games a year in the stadium. They spend every day in the facility. And Ole Miss right now is behind there. So it's not just giving Kiffin a raise and an extension. Whenever he decides to go, and again, it could be two years, it could be 20. I don't know. I don't think he's long for the school though. And that, again, that's okay. That There's nothing wrong with that. But right now, there are FCS, or, or excuse me, there are group of five programs that are building facilities better than Ole Miss right now. I mean, Appalachian State continues to adjust their stadium and, and make it look great. Arkansas State's done a phenomenal job with their facilities, those being two examples for you. Um, everything at Ole Miss looks dated right now compared to their conference opponents. Time to get serious about that. And I think that kind of project is coming. I think that's going to be looped in with Kiffin's contract extension. I think shortly after the extension's announced, probably early next year, you'll have an announcement of that new campaign. That's just my guess based on what we've been told before. It needs to be good, and you need to take that seriously. But also, if you can, of course, I know this has been a hell of a year, uh, you need to donate if you can. They, they need more money there um, to do these kind of upgrades. These fundraisers, if that's if they go capital campaign, um, they need to be raised quick. Um, you you need to make your presence known, buy gear because that also funnels back to the school. Um, go to games, buy gear, donate if you can. If you want to be a big time program, you have to act like a big time program. And Ole Miss, until now, has not acted like it. They've had leadership. That has been short-sighted, also dealing with an NCAA investigation. Um, coaches that 
either A, couldn't handle their success, or B, didn't know how to be successful. Now you've got somebody who can recruit at a national level, who can bring the best out of what you've currently got. But there is a ceiling. And I don't think your ceiling's ever going to be as high as the Alabamas of the world, but you can increase it. So if you want to be nationally competitive, you got to take this seriously. And I think you've got the right leadership in place that will do that. But they can't just do it on their own. If you're a fan listening to this right now, even if you don't have a lot of expendable income, see, that's the thing about Alabama people. Um, On top of the fact that they win, and so that breeds bandwagon fans, but I see Alabama gear on people everywhere. They rock it all the time, and they buy it. And um, they have people that give just a very tiny, tiny amount of money because they just love their school so much. Um, I think Ole Miss can do a better job also of catering to the people that don't have the 25K to join the Vought Society too. But if you want to keep a coach like Lane Kiffin, um, if you want to hire the next guy like Lane Kiffin, if you want to compete nationally, things have got to be upgraded there. Um, It's time to get serious about winning. And I think, like I keep saying, I know I'm repeating myself a lot today, I think you've got leadership right now that understands that and wants to take it seriously. I don't know if you've always had that. In fact, I know you haven't always had that. Speaking of something you haven't always had, uh, Ole Miss gets a bowl game this year. Uh, We learned yesterday, although the selection committee in college football as a whole had a horrible, horrible day, uh, their rankings and and selections and stuff, um, they can't justify it. I think it's a sham. And then the bowl selection process, the fact that a two-win South Carolina or a three-win Mississippi State will be playing in a bowl game, but nine-win Army will not, it's a sham. College football has been exposed this weekend more than any other, but I'll save that for maybe a podcast down the road. We'll definitely be talking about that on the radio today. Um, It's been exposed. But Ole Miss did get a bowl game. They'll be playing in the Outback Bowl against... Indiana, and uh, it's been the first time in a while um, that Ole Miss has been able to say that because of bull bans and also making bad hires that led to the team not being very good. Um, it feels good, huh? I know that bowl games are, you know, most people try to convince you that they're meaningless, and they kind of are. I mean, it's it's basically a glorified exhibition. But it is something that is symbolic, right? That means that something good has happened that season. Even though, like I said, a two-win South Carolina team has made a bowl game, they're not playing in the Outback Bowl. The Outback Bowl, a Florida bowl game, does carry some weight. And it's got to feel good uh, for you, and it's got to feel good for the program that in year one, they were able to do that. In a year where they had a lot of missed opportunities and played an SEC-only schedule, they were able to go four and five and get a bid to the Outback Bowl for a chance to finish 500. And knowing what we knew about COVID and the new systems and all that, and no uh, spring practice, no real summer workouts, the fact that we're even having this conversation right now, um, if I'd have told you that this was going to be the case in August, that you were going to go four and five and play in the Outback Bowl, every single one of you should have taken that. The year should be looked at as a success. Not in totality, because, you know, Arkansas, LSU, Auburn, for different reasons, were games that you should have won. In some cases, um, 
they weren't coached particularly well, and they've said that. They'll own that. And obviously, you had a quarterback that turned the football over too much in those games. You had a chance to win seven, probably should have won seven, and you're down to four. But everybody would have taken that. This showed um, that Ole Miss can do this. And then having a top 20 recruiting class with a chance to sign another blue-chip defensive lineman in the February period, and I don't know if they're going to add a couple more or maybe wait for some transfers, but you recruited well. Nationally, people started paying attention. Sounds like Kiffin's coming back for year two, um, which really I don't think was ever in doubt for most people, but you know those, those rumors were out there. Everything's looking good. This season should only be viewed as a success, and now you get to really point to something, that, hey, you're going to the Outback Bowl. You get a bowl game for the first time in like five years, and that's a good first step for your program. That is a very good year one and something that you all should be very, very satisfied with. At least I would be. The opponent, as you know, is Indiana, Tom Allen. Uh, Those guys probably got screwed by the selection committee. They probably should be playing in a New Year's Six game. Tom Allen spoke to the media yesterday about it, and he seems pretty ticked off and motivated uh, for this game. And uh, Indiana's got a good football team. I mean, um, Penix, the quarterback, threw for almost 500 yards in the horseshoe. They only lost by seven. They were getting beat pretty bad. Uh, came back late in that game. Lost by a touchdown. He has unfortunately torn his ACL, if I remember correctly, and is out for the year. And um, their backup, Jack Tuttle, uh, just not even anywhere close to the ability uh, as the guy that he was sitting behind. He, he looks serviceable. like He's not terrible. He's only played one game. And he did win that game, although it was because of their defense and not him. Um, just not the same. Just not even anywhere close to the same. But it's a team that's very well coached. It's a team that sounds like they're going to be good and pissed off and motivated in this game. Uh, they felt disrespected by having to play a 4-5 and five team when they should be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a tough test for Ole Miss for sure. Uh, Tom Allen, you guys know, uh, are very familiar with him, was a linebacker coach at Ole Miss, but his staff is filled with former Ole Miss people. They got Kane Womack, the defensive coordinator, who uh, got hired by South Alabama. I believe he will be coaching in this game. Um, Sometimes you'll see a guy that gets hired at a new place uh, coach the rest of the season, but not the bowl game, so we'll see what he does here. I mean, bowls are only a couple of weeks away, so, you know, maybe it's... uh, the time is negligible, so he might be coaching in a game. But you have Kane Womack, who's the son of Dave Womack, and he was on Ole Miss's staff. You have Jason Jones, who was on Ole Miss's staff, and Grant Hurd, who was also on Ole Miss's staff and has done a great job with a Mississippi kid that nobody around here offered. And uh, Freifogel, who's a high-level wide receiver, and I know he's going to watch the tape from the LSU game and um, get really excited about the potential of not being covered at all, even though he's Indiana's best offensive player. Um, It's a very tough test, but it's a good opportunity uh, for Ole Miss. It's an Indiana team that, you know, give or take, is a six-point favorite at the moment in the game. Um, It's a ranked team. It's one that everybody's looked at as a college football success story this year. People respect Tom Allen, but it's a team that Ole Miss can beat. It's it's a team that I think they absolutely can beat. Uh, Outside of Ohio State, who absolutely lit them up, um, they they haven't seen an offense like this. 
And now without Penix, I mean, uh, who knows if what kind of offense they're going to have. I think it's a real opportunity for Ole Miss to yet again um, show people nationally that it's a program that's going in the correct direction. It's another opportunity for Ole Miss to figure out who the guys are going to be after Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboa. And we'll see if Jerry and Ely's healthy. Um, it's possible that he probably doesn't play in this game. I mean, we'll see. Um, or Braylon Sanders. Um, I probably, deep down, wouldn't risk it. If I were Jerry and Ely, he's got baseball coming up. and uh, I mean, this is a bowl game, but you're in good hands in the running back room. You saw flashes of why people were so high on uh, Henry Parrish. I mean, he showed you. Uh, that he can be electric, and so it's an opportunity for him. It's an opportunity for the young wide receivers to show them that they can be the replacement for Elijah Moore. It's a team that I think you can score on, although they're sound defensively, and it's uh, absolutely not anywhere close to the best offense that they've seen all year long. So, I mean, you got the storylines with Allen and the former Ole Miss guys on that staff. It's a chance for Matt Corral uh, to enter the offseason with a really good taste in his mouth and, and play well in this game. They've got some time to prepare and get right after what happened in Baton Rouge. Um, nothing but good really happens here. I mean, and seriously, nothing but good happens here. Um, I know the guys are probably exhausted by this season. They have to go through testing protocols and stuff for another couple more weeks. I'm sure they're ready to just be done. Um but if they show up motivated and ready to play, it's a game that they can win. It's a real opportunity for the program. Uh, Lane Kiffin in that uh, SEC Now interview yesterday seemed uh, pretty frustrated with the, the LSU loss. So maybe he's also motivated, like Tom Allen is, to, to show up and play well. Uh, we will see. But it's a really good opportunity for the program, for Matt Corral, for the wide receivers. It's a really good opportunity. And most of your recruiting class is going to be able to practice. They're not going to be able to play in the game, but they're going to go ahead and get some of these guys reps, get them into the program because uh, of how many early enrollees they have. I mean, it's like the vast majority of, of the defensive players, I think 13 of them, are early enrollees. So they will be able to practice in bowl preparation. They can't play in the game, but still, you're getting them the, those reps. You're integrating them. Uh, into your program, and they'll get to go through a full spring, of course, obviously. But, I mean, they get, what is it, 10 or so. I don't know how many practices Ole Miss is going to actually have, but they get to go through this process in December, which is a big, big deal for next year when a lot of these guys are going to have to play right away. So nothing but good comes from this. Um, it's exciting to see them in a bowl game again, and they happen to be at the Outback Bowl with an opportunity to get a win over a ranked team. The storylines are good. It's just all good uh, when it comes to this bowl game and the benefits of playing in it. So um, we'll talk basketball next week, or excuse me, next episode. Uh, I know they lost to Dayton over the weekend, to tell you the truth. Uh, I didn't watch it, as I doubt many of you actually did. It was a close loss on the road. Um, so I'll try to find a replay and watch that before uh, the uh, the next episode on Wednesday. But for now, I think the big thing is, even though rumors were circulating that it doesn't appear that Lane Kiffin's a candidate at Auburn, um, never really made sense anyway. But still, you, at least you uh, you get Kiffin for one more year. So that's good. 
because a lot of things are trending in the exact right direction for your program. Uh, keep an eye out for potential news uh, from his contract. Uh, most people believe that th- those kind of negotiations and stuff uh, have already been going on, but uh, could possibly be finalized here soon. I would expect that facilities project to also be announced and you get renderings and stuff here in the near future. Uh, so a lot of good right now. Uh, a lot of things going, at least going in the right direction. And, um, you know, maybe with these vaccines we'll get a normal season next year. But uh, we'll have to see. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really glad that you guys are with me. Don't forget again to follow me on Twitter, like, and subscribe to the podcast. And I will talk to you again on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.